listening to The New Mamas Podcast, a solo episode. Hello and welcome back to The New Mamas Podcast. This is your host, Lena Forrestal, and I'm back for a solo episode this week. I realize that I haven't done a solo episode since March, something like that. So it's been a while since I've gotten the chance to sit and talk to you just kind of one-on-one, you know, and I do have my window open. And so you might hear cars driving by or my guinea hens barking or my chickens like so you might hear some outside noises. Um, But if I don't have the window open, I might very well die of heat exhaustion because my house doesn't have AC. Well, I do have a window unit, but it's very loud and I can't have it on while I'm podcasting. Blah, 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 blah. All right, let's get into it. The first two things I wanted to share with you today is how I've been feeling lately and then also lessons that I've learned in therapy. A lot has happened since I've talked to you in March. Um, The war in Ukraine, school shootings and mass shootings. The world has felt really unsteady and the best way that my therapist describes it is that we've been going through a lot of collective trauma. And as someone whose trigger is bad news, especially bad news about kids, I have definitely felt pretty broken the past few months. I feel like a lot of moms have, and that's been really difficult to navigate. I've had to unsubscribe from news Instagram accounts or any like basically any Instagram accounts that talk about things happening in the world. And it sucks because I feel like kind of like an uninformed citizen. However, it got to a point where I really needed to prioritize my mental health because it was affecting my personal life. Like it was affecting how I showed up to my relationship. It was affecting how I showed up to work. I was crying all the time. Like it was just even even though I'm on medication for my stress response, that's what I call an- my antidepressants is it just really helps me navigate like uh, regulate my stress response. Even though I'm on medication for that, it feels like it didn't not that it didn't help because it absolutely did, but I still felt like the news really affected me. In the past When something really bad happens, I would go down a rabbit hole of looking for information in a way almost to control it. Like I felt like the more I knew about something bad that happened, then the better prepared I would be if I was ever in that same situation. And then while researching the news, I'd almost actively put myself in the situation of what happened in the news almost like if you imagine a a movie or you're reading a book and you put yourself in the place of that character that's kind of how I felt about bad news I would almost and I would feel the emotions that I would think I'd be feeling in that situation and I know I would notice my body tense up like I would have a physical reaction to the news so I just had to unsubscribe like I just don't look at the news anymore and it it sucks, but it's just the way it has to be. And I have felt better, admittedly, since unsubscribing and not watching and not listening to any news stuff. I talked a lot to my therapist about how I was feeling and how the news made me feel. 
and just how I felt really unsteady and unstable and the world was so volatile. And one thing that she did offer is to don't believe your thoughts. So for example, when like I don't, the way I described it was intuition, right? Like you feel like you have some sort of innate intuition, right? Like I shouldn't do this. And it's a, it's a form of self-preservation, right? Like I have intuition that I shouldn't, whatever, insert, like get on the plane. Like that was the example that I used. And I, what I was sharing with her was that like, is it intuition that I shouldn't get on the plane because I have a feeling that something really bad is going to happen or is it anxiety? And that is basically, I guess my entire life is like, you know, is it, is it intuition? Is it a gut feeling or is it anxiety? And basically most of it is what, like what we talked about in therapy is that it is anxiety. And she gave me three different, three different things to remember when I'm in these situations where either I have intuition about something or I'm reading a bad news article and it's making me feel a certain way. First thing is she said, don't believe your thoughts, which is, that's a hard one. Okay. Like it's very hard not to believe in your, like not to believe yourself when you're saying this plane is going to go down because actually I did have that situation in March. I don't know if I shared on my solo, my last solo episode or not, but I went on this flight. It was for work and I was flying back and I just really felt like the plane was going to crash. I like really thought that that was the end for me. I really felt like I was going to die. Like it was the weirdest thing and I was sobbing uncontrollably and like and this is on the plane how fun with surrounded by people I was like sobbing uncontrollably and I was so tense like gripping gripping the seat and I felt a panic attack coming like and for me when panic panic attacks happen I lose feeling in my fingers I lose feeling in my face and then I start to brown out so I start to lose vision and of course the tightness in your in my chest and in my throat where it feels like someone is strangling me so that's what happens when I have a panic attack it's incredibly scary and awful I was given anti-anxiety medication to help stop the like basically the receptors that trigger the panic attack it helps stop that so I took medication to help stop the panic attack when I felt I felt my face tingle And I was, I remember like touching my face and crying and being like, oh fuck, I'm having a panic attack and it sucks. Like, and I remember like, even though, so it's funny, even though I can identify I'm having a panic attack, it doesn't stop the panic attack itself from happening, which is messed up. (laughs) But anyway, so I took this anxiety medication and then the worst thing is I told the flight attendant. So the flight attendant walked by and I just shared with her what happened. And I just want to, I was like, I just want to let you know. I had to take this medication because I was about to have a panic attack. Um, It's my first time taking this medication. So I just wanted to let you know in case I pass out or something. And you would think that I'm doing the responsible thing. And instead, she says, you should be doing that on your own time. And I was like, but uh, and then I tried to share with her. I'm like, yes, but. Um, I take this for panic attacks and I don't have panic attacks all the time. And she was just kind of rude about it. She's like, I'll let the other flight attendants know. Oh, man, I just thought it was so, um, I don't know. Isn't that their job? Like, don't they, don't they go through training to deal with passengers that have 
anxiety about flying. So anyway, it was pretty sad. But from that, I really didn't want that to happen again. So I doubled down in therapy. And yeah, so that was the first thing is don't believe your thoughts. It's just a thought. Don't believe your thoughts. And I went on another flight because flying is the easiest way, I guess, to explain this to you. Um, I went on another flight and I was having a little bit of anxiety and I did tell, I kept telling myself, it's just a thought. It's just a thought. And I tried to also just visualize, like I tried to use visualization and like I, I imagined myself landing and all this stuff, but it really, it really helped even just repeating, like, don't believe your thoughts because your thoughts can go pretty crazy and it can make your mind, like the mind is such a beautiful and powerful thing. So when your mind is not on your side or not on your team, it can be really challenging to get through life. So that was my first lesson. The second lesson is that she also shared with me, please remember presence. This is my present existence. Stay where your feet are. And I wrote this, I I take notes during therapy, I'm such a nerd, but it really does help to recall it. And I do flip back once in a while just to see my progress and what we've talked about. But how I interpret this is almost like mindfulness, like the whole, the grounding techniques of five things you see, four things you smell, three things you, I don't know, like, you know, that one, um, I don't know them off the top of my head, but they're basically these grounding techniques to really bring yourself back to the present moment. So that was helpful. And then the third one, please remember love. And I thought that one was like cheesy because like, well, duh, like want to remember love. But I guess like looking at the world from a perspective or a lens of love instead of a lens of like violence or problem solving because the way that she described it is that my brain sees the world as a violent place instead of a place full of love and that it's like consistently trying to tame the wild horse and that my mind has a habit of constantly problem solving and so that's why I feel also excessively tired and before I went on antidepressants that's why I experienced so much of that brain fog and lack of motivation and just like my mind felt creatively tired all the time because my brain has just been on overdrive trying to problem solve and tame the wild horse which is my brain. So those three things have helped me when it comes to like feeling that collective trauma and trying to distance myself from the news. I just try to remember that whatever I read is not happening to me. And yeah, so that's what I've been doing in regards to that. So I have, I'm, I feel like I've been slowly healing this summer, like when it comes to like healing from the news. Like I know that terrible things happen every day, but yeah, the news about the violence against children just that's my trigger. Like that's what really does it for me. So um, that's what I've been working on. The other thing that I have challenges with that I speak, that I talk to my therapist about in therapy is some difficult people in my life. Um, I think some of you know who they are. um, So I'm not going to elaborate any further, but 
the techniques I feel like can be used by anyone. So she mentioned, my therapist mentioned the three C's. So cannot, you cannot control this person or people. You cannot change this person or those people. And you do not, you do not cause them to be this way. And I thought I, I had, let me, so let me repeat that. Three C's cannot control, cannot change, and did not cause them to be this way. I thought that was really powerful. And I do come back to that because um, the other thing that I learned is that I am codependent, which is interesting. And what you think, like, so I never knew what codependency meant. I honestly thought that codependency meant you need other people. And that's actually not the case at all. Codependency it has a few different definitions, but the basic the basic thing about codependency is you needing other people to need you. And what that can manifest like, it could look like a need for other people to like you in order to feel good about yourself. So that could be people in your life, people in your community, your family, your friends, your people on social media, like whoever you get that validation from, like that's that's part of it. But then it's also trying to rescue people who are troubled. So like in the past, for example, I've always been drawn to the broken ones. And I feel like a lot of women and men, but this podcast is primarily for women so a lot of women can probably relate like you've like if you have always gone for the guys that are just like broken you know um and and that's part of codependency is constantly trying to rescue like troubled or under functioning people and then who's also whose problems go beyond your ability to fix them right so the other way that it can manifest is just taking care of other people. So the sense of like you have to take care of other the other people um, in your in your life. Like you're basically the giver. And what happens is you like give, 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 give. And you don't and you basically feel worthless unless you're needed by that other person or other people. It's a it's described as a circular relationship in when you need the other person to need you. So that's codependency. And I learned that I struggle with that. And I've been trying to learn to be less codependent. And um, yeah, that's been that's been interesting because I noticed like a lot a lot of times like in my relationship like I not that I hover but I'm like you need to brush your teeth so you don't get cavities like I really fall into like taking care of my husband which makes sense in a way like yes you care for your partner but the way I do it is like it's I just think it's over it's, it's overwhelming to the other person to my partner like you know, worrying about if they get cavities or worrying if they're, you know, managing their bank accounts correctly. Like like a lot of like almost parental things is what I do. And I don't know if it's because I'm nine years older than my sister. And when I was young, I was often put in the position where I would have to take care of my younger sister, even though 
it was not age appropriate, right? Like you can't leave a 10-year-old to take care of a one-year-old or an 11-year-old taking care of a two-year-old. That is not age appropriate. Um, and, and that's how I was taught my whole life. So I feel like I, I just naturally try to take care of other people instead of taking care of myself. Like I put other people's needs in front of my own because it's what I've known my whole life. So I've been working really hard to unlearn that and and be more what I thought was selfish is not being selfish. It's actually just taking care of yourself. And what my therapist said is that it's bad boundaries to try and fix someone. So if if I'm taking care of the other person because I feel like I need to fix them, that's really bad boundaries for myself and that the other person that I'm taking care of they can figure it out on their own and I liked that and the other thing she said was detach with love and I liked that one a lot detach with love because it feels like what I explained to her was well I feel like if I don't want to take care of this person or I don't take care of this person it feels like I'm just distancing myself away from them in a love perspective and she she that's what she said detach with love like that's a very um it's a very common thing and you can still love someone without feeling responsible for them if they don't brush their teeth and they get a cavity that is not your problem that's not my problem and I like that so I have been working really hard in trying to be less codependent the other things that I wrote down in my in my therapy journal is that it can be demeaning to to offer so much help and like over helping like it can actually kind of be demeaning to that person like for example I just keep using the brushing teeth example because I feel like it's a good one but it's demeaning for you know my partner not to feel like he can't like he I have to tell him to brush his teeth like oh that's so you know that is awful when I think about it from the outside perspective um and what it does also is that it almost not that it can train the other person to be helpless but there's like this um she described it it's called like learned helplessness and the more that you over help and overtake care the less and less that person will do and you don't want that obviously like you want it to be a partnership so that's the other thing um, that we talked about that was pretty pretty interesting the last thing that my I have written in my therapy journal is welcoming the fear feeling and then naming how I can soothe myself in the moment so I think this was in regards to anxiety so naming basically naming the thing that I'm anxious about welcoming the feeling that I'm feeling and then identifying how I can soothe myself in the moment and then nurture myself in this feeling and repeating I love myself and want to make myself feel good this feels a little confusing the way I wrote that but basically how I'm interpreting it is trust the process right like I might be feeling really anxious and I might not feel like going for a walk, but I know that a walk, 
I enjoy a walk. It nurtures me and I will feel good and I want to make myself feel good. So I'm going to go on that walk, even though I really like maybe don't want to in the moment. I just want to maybe I want to sit and scroll through social media because I feel like that's going to soothe me. And actually, that's that's so interesting. I feel like one thing that I have definitely kicked to the curb the last couple months, maybe by couple months, I mean like six months or actually maybe even since I started medication, um, is social media addiction. And I, I will say it was an addiction because I was really using social media like to self soothe or something to do in between tasks to kind of null my brain. But I noticed that recently I've been just doing a lot better at not mindlessly scrolling social media and then just using social media as any creator would or just using it intentionally, which is great. That was a goal. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to share about my therapy sessions was some good advice about when someone gives you an opinion that hurts your feelings. So I had that happen to me recently. Someone shared an opinion of theirs with me about me slash something that I have. Um, And it hurt my feelings because I felt like this person was being really critical and that they didn't understand me. Like they, they were projecting something that they would want for themselves, but they don't realize that we have different tastes. But basically, I asked my therapist for help navigating this situation because I just kept thinking and thinking about it, about this person's opinion and how it hurt. And I kept justifying it to myself of why I have this thing or why I do this thing and why it makes me happy. And what my therapist said was I can hear their side, but I don't have to be influenced by them or their opinion. And just to reinforce the fact that these are the standards that I live by and not anyone else. And also to remember the three C's, you can't change control and you didn't cause them to be this way. Um, And then basically that I also don't have to explain myself to that to them to that person. And just you can simply state, I guess we're never going to agree about this and then just move on. And I thought that was pretty powerful in maybe just recognizing the fact that I don't need to explain when we have a disagreement about something because very often it's just like not worth it, right? Like it's not worth to get into dialogue because I feel like when someone has an opinion or disagrees with you about something, I feel like they're pretty set in their ways and why do you need to change their opinion about it? Like, is it really just for your ego that you want to change their opinion? I feel like sitting with that is really powerful. Like I kind of reflected after my conversation with my therapist, I reflected on why the comment that this person made bothered me so much and why I wanted to change their impression of me. Like, well, I guess that's what I felt like I wanted to change that person's perception of me I wanted them to look at me in a different way like it wasn't like I don't I didn't think the way what they thought about everything that like was accurate and yeah I just and I kind of kind of fell into this thing where I realized it was more of an ego thing like I really wanted them to change their opinion because um for me 
like I wanted like why but then why would why would that make me sleep better at night you know like why would it sleep like (laughs) so as you can hear I am getting frustrated just thinking about it but basically what someone else thinks about you or whatever your situation is is none of their business and that is how I am operating and it has felt good like I definitely do feel a bit more free after learning that and just sitting with it and reflecting and making the choice to basically not care right like I actually don't really care what people think of me anymore that actually I used to and that for a very very long time I did care a lot about what other people thought of me I actually didn't blog or start I wanted I remember I wanted to start a blog like when I was 12 and like every year I would like start a blog or a tumblr and I would keep it private and then I would delete it because I was so worried well what if people at school find it or what if what if people at my job find it what if they read it oh my gosh what if they read it I remember that and I kick myself because I really wanted to do do this thing that made me happy I've always loved to share and overshare frankly sometimes (laughs) um and but I was so worried about what people would think of me it is one thing that I am so glad I kicked like I definitely don't care like I don't mind I'll vlog in public I'll do Instagram stories in public I really don't care But I feel like I still do care when it's people that know me very well or that close, that are close with me or that are in my inner circle. Like when they have an opinion about me, yeah, that does kind of hurt. Like I, I definitely feel really self-conscious. Like if someone sees something that I did or am doing and they have a criticism about it, like I, I definitely feel self-conscious about it. And it's something that I'm working on. I'm working on not giving a you know what, (laughs) even if it's someone that I love dearly and if they don't like it, um, I'm trying not to feel self-conscious about it. Okay, that's kind of the end of recapping the therapy stuff. Something else I wanted to shift gears to is I don't know how families manage it all. (laughs) And what I mean by that is how do you stay on top of the laundry, a clean house, your kids' nutrition, meal prepping, taking care of all your animals, a clean house, honestly, mostly the laundry though. Like, oh, and how do you stay on top of like your kid growing out of things so fast? And then you have like a pile of laundry that doesn't fit them yet, but you haven't necessarily gotten bins to put all the stuff that doesn't fit in yet. And when you do put them in bins, where the heck do you put it? Because if you put it in the basement, it's going to get lost and then you'll never find it again. Like I am struggling. Like I just feel like I am constantly behind on house stuff and maybe some of it is my own doing because I do also have a tremendous amount of hobbies like I do this podcast and I also am taking pottery classes which is so good I love it I love taking my pottery classes um but I guess like I guess I could dedicate more time to doing stuff around the house but I feel like even with that stuff like how like not doing that stuff I mean like if I even if I had no hobbies like would that mean I'm more on top of the house because I feel like I don't think so like it's just a lot and like the summer for example like mowing our lawn and and weed whacking it and making sure it's tidy and cute like it's it's just a lot of work like I guess maybe I'm you know 
complaining like first world problems like having a house is a lot of work and like having doing life is a lot of work but I really I'm not complaining I'm just sharing with you all that I feel behind all the time like it's embarrassing to me that I have maybe five or six loads of clean laundry just sitting in baskets and everything's sorted by my stuff my son's stuff and my husband's stuff however it has yet to make its way into its proper location it just sort of stays crumpled up in the baskets until they are used which sucks like I just feel like I need to find the time to do it but like when I think about my day it's like I'm either taking time out of work to do it because one once my son gets home from daycare it's a like I I'm on him like even even with with my husband home like I feel like that time that precious time between like 4 p.m and 8 p.m it's chaos it's preparing dinner it's unpacking everything from his day from his like school day and then it's bath time and bedtime and story time and snuggle time and it's cute and I love it and honestly kind of sometimes like my favorite part of the day but it's just hard to stay on top of everything you know I feel like I could do a better job at maybe taking 20 minutes a day to doing some of the house stuff I've been neglecting like the laundry or like do you am I the only person that has the piles of random stuff in like little corners I know that sounds like my house is really messy it's not but I mean like in the bathroom I have like a ton of makeup that I don't use anymore and I know that I just need to go through it because also surprise everyone makeup expires did you know that you really shouldn't have makeup that's from like four or five years ago, I learned. Like it's, I guess it's like unsanitary. I don't know, Google it. But yeah, I feel like I could do a better job at that. So I'm just curious how people do it because um, I want to have another child at some point and I just don't know how to fit this other child in. And what's so funny is one of my friends today, like we, so I go to Pure Bar with one of my friends Fallon she's wonderful but we go every morning together and this morning she goes I had a dream that you were pregnant and I was like (gasps) (laughs) like I like gasped and I was like oh my because there were some days so I also oh another fun update I had COVID and then my whole family had COVID and it was really really bad so I really hate it when people say COVID is just a cold because it's not I've had a cold and this was pretty bad anyway I what during how did I got on this topic but anyway what I what I wanted to share was that there were a few days like in between COVID and like feeling better that maybe I missed a birth control birth control pill or five so and then I just started to take it again and I'm on the birth control um progesterone right the one that's like breastfeeding safe the one that also if you don't take it at the exact same time every day you're gonna get pregnant so I don't know there could be I don't know I have to wait until my next period honestly and I'm like a little bit like what is that gonna start because yeah I don't know but I mean it's not a bad thing if I were to be pregnant it's it's definitely not a bad thing because one of my other fears is having like experiencing infertility issues 
trying for my second child because it is a very real thing. So I don't know. It's not, it's not a bad thing if I'm pregnant, but I just didn't necessarily want to get pregnant right now. But it's interesting because so when she mentioned that she had a dream that I was pregnant, I like I did like I felt like oh wouldn't it be so funny if I was if I, if I was because then she would be right and then she'd be like almost like a fortune teller like you know I know this sounds so dumb but actually what's also funny is I had a dream about my ex-boyfriend's mom yesterday and it's this was like my real like poopy head ex-boyfriend um, he really sucked. He's also the one that proposed to me in front of my whole family. And I said, no, I don't know if I've ever shared that story, but it's one of my sister's favorite stories because she describes it as they were all at the window watching my ex-boyfriend who I broke up with watching him get down on one knee and they were all like yelling and screaming like a, almost like a sports game, but we couldn't hear them because they were behind like a double side like a a big a glass that we had in our house and then when I said no and that he threw himself on the grass and cried they all cheered like someone had just scored a goal it's so funny like I think about anyway I had a dream about my ex-boyfriend's mom that particular ex-boyfriend's mom was always really nice to me and I don't know why like I dreamt about her but I was like I should send her a message and like show her pictures of like send her pictures of Archie and like just give her an update that I like got married and had kids although that would be I think that's kind of weird but then I also like didn't feel like it was weird in my dream I don't know it's so weird like but she because she sent me when we broke up she sent me like the nicest email and she all all was always really really nice to me um and I don't think she had to be nice to me you know because I was just like a college girlfriend of this guy who very clearly did not want a long-term relationship but long story short okay how did I get here oh yeah dreams yes so yeah so actually on the topic of like pregnancy and wanting to get pregnant soon I just have so many fears like I feel like John and I can barely manage our house and our lives with one child. I feel like having one child is a lot. And it's not, and and Archie is actually, like, I think he's a really easy kid, like, in terms of, like, you know, how hard it can be to have a toddler. Like, my son's not overly fussy. He's, like, two and then some months, and he's not, he's not, like, he doesn't have a lot of tantrums like he's pretty manageable um but I that's but it's still hard and it's still a lot and I feel like we still have trouble managing our time so I just don't know how we're going to do it with a second kid you know I I don't know how people do it like how how do you do it I don't get people who have like four kids and they manage ton of businesses and they still go on date nights every week and then they also like I don't know you know like sometimes I see but maybe those people also have trouble like managing their time too and it's just from the outside it looks perfect but on the inside maybe they're feeling the same way that I'm feeling so I don't know I don't know if anyone else has ever felt this way of like how do people do it and like for me I'm like how do people have like cute gardens and have children because I just feel like gardening even is so much work so 
I think it's funny that my fear, my fear about having a second child like has nothing really to do with pregnancy or delivery. You know, it really has to do with balancing life afterwards. Like I still want to take my pottery classes. I still want to go to Pure Bar every day. Like I still want to do the things that I, that like really fill my cup and really make me me and make me happy. Like even just going to Pure Bar, I like three, four, let's say I go maybe between three and five times a week. And I've seen so many positive changes in my body. I just feel so much stronger that I feel more like me. So I want to continue to do that. And maybe it's just my personality to worry about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Like, I feel like anyone else, anyone would tell me, Lena, slow down. You don't even have, you're not even pregnant with your second child. Why are you stressing about all this stuff? Like, right? Like, why am I worrying about the future maybe it's just my personality type my like type a always planned like being a planner like excel spreadsheet everything like maybe that's just how I am but yeah I'm just curious like how do people do it with two and then I always felt like I would just love three kids because I would love a big family but then I also feel like it would it'll be impossible to like is it impossible is that the right word I don't know I don't know what I'm saying anymore does anyone else feel this way? If you do, please like message me on Instagram because I just need to talk to someone about this. I feel like these are ramblings of a mad woman. So I'm sorry. I'm not really sure how I got down this rabbit hole. Okay, maybe this is a good time to end the solo episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you have any reactions to anything that I said, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram. My handle is at Lena Forrestal, L-I-N-A-F-O-R-R-E-S-T-A-L. Thanks for listening and see you next week with the next episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye!